Um, yeah, so we're, I'm continuing on our series this morning in uh, our kingdom series. And today I'm going to be talking about a kingdom in, of worship in a world of idolatry. Um, and if I could give another title to this sermon, I would, I would probably give it something like Turn Your Eyes Onto Jesus or Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. Um, because we're going to be talking about that a lot this morning. How do we reset and refocus our, our mind, our thoughts, our heart, our posture on to him? Um, we are broken people living in a broken world. And I don't think you need me to tell you that this morning. But we, we do need to be fixing our eyes and giving our attention to the one who is worthy of all of our praise and worthy of all of our devotion and worthy of all of our worship. When we think of idols in this world today, what are some things that you guys might think of if I say idol? I have one TV show uh, crossing my mind right now that's called... American Idol or Canadian Idol or something of that sort. We kind of think of celebrities or uh, musicians or actors when we think of the word idol, but when we look at what idol meant in the Old Testament, what, what that meant was either a statue or something that was valued as like higher than God. And so today, we're going to be talking about what are the modern-day idols. So what are our modern-day idols and the things that we would potentially consider to be greater than God and how the message of the gospel and truth and forgiveness can give us the ways of everlasting life. Amen? This is clipping a little bit. I'm sorry. I'll try it out. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I don't know what any of this means. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and maybe you're, you're not experiencing the full extent of the joy of your salvation. Or maybe you've lost a little bit of zeal. Or maybe you need more devoting and more devotion to the Father this morning. And maybe you're looking to spend a little bit more time with him and there are many things in this world that can distract us and, and grab our attention. But I want to remind you today that above all things, we must set our sights on the Lord. Set our sights on the things above, like it mentions in Colossians 3. Right? We must set our, 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 the, our sights on the things above and not on earthly things. Right? We want to give God our full attention and our full worship. And the, to be quite honest with you guys, the world's version of idols and what idols have to offer us today are very empty versions. They're very empty. They're not full of promises like the Lord can offer you promises. And ever go to a restaurant, for example, and uh, you see something, I don't, I don't even know, like a fancy restaurant, and you see something on the menu that has this elaborate description on it, and you're like, ooh, that sounds good. And then maybe you get the plate and you're like a little disappointed about it because you're like, oh, but that sounded so amazing. Um, that's that's kind of like what I'm talking about today, those empty promises. And I think we can all think of areas in our lives where, you know, we've been offered that before. And today I'm going to 
be diving into how Jesus is worthy and full of our praise and worship. And how God's promises are not empty. They are not empty. And how the other idols in our lives can leave us empty and honestly disillusioned. Is this clipping too much to you guys? Is this bothering you guys at all? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to pray. God, we just thank you for the morning. God, I thank you for your presence here. And Father, would you open our hearts this morning uh, to your words. And Father, just uh, bring peace uh, and, and joy. And um, yeah, just be with each and every single one of us this morning. Amen. All right, so why is God worthy of worship? If we're asking why God is worthy of worship, maybe we need to understand a little bit more what is worship. So last time I taught, I taught on praise and why we should give God all of our praise and all of our worship. And praise is our response to God's greatness and goodness and his mercy over our lives. So what, it's what he has done for us. And we think that worship is just, it can be in our thoughts, um, just music and singing. But in reality, worship is giving God all honor, our whole hearts and everything that we have to him. So we're giving him the entirety of who we are. Worship is walking in obedience to God's ways and everything we do. It's walking out our obedience so we can model God's characteristic, his, his character to the world. So it facilitates, in a way, access to him. The blood of Jesus paves the way for the forgiveness of our sins and praising God and worshiping gives us an avenue to him. Psalm 104, I read this uh, the last time that I spoke on praise and it's just such a great way to see that. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. So you might be asking, what has God done for us to deserve our worship? Well, there's this king in, in the Old Testament. Um, some of you may know his name is David. And I think he is the perfect uh, representation of somebody who dedicated his whole life to worship and, and worshiping the Lord. Now, David, um, he wasn't a perfect king. <laughs> He didn't get everything right. Um, in fact, he continually sinned. But the one thing we can learn from David is his heart posture in always turning back to the Father. So he wrote many Psalms in the Old Testament, but today I wanna focus on just a few verses of one of these Psalms that I believe really captures the characteristics of God and why we should worship him. And that Psalm today is Psalm 18. And it's the first three verses, it says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise 
and he saved me from my enemies. So even just looking there, God is our strength. He is our rock. He is our fortress. We find safety and protection in him. He is our shield. David is showing here and reminding us in this psalm that our God is a God who is worthy of our worship. And you will worship what you intimately know. If we know God, if we have a personal relationship with God, we're going to be giving him all of our devotion. An idol is something that will fight for our attention and that will want to take the place of God in our lives. So let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We're all running a faith race of endurance. Say that 10 times fast. It's pretty difficult. And our endurance as believers will depend on us keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our focus on him, our worship to him. Everyone, has anyone ever seen like horse racing or like greyhound racing or, right? And how horses have those blinders on them. Um, I know their peripheral vision is probably, you know, pretty interesting. (laughs) And the blinders really are there so that they can focus their sights on what's ahead of them. Or like in greyhound racing, I Googled this last night, by the way, because I thought it was very interesting. Um, They're not trained. There's this rabbit that will, you know, go around. In some places, it's a real rabbit, and they don't chase to kill the rabbit, but they chase to set their sight and try to capture it. And instead of, you know, they... Whoa, sorry. My bad. I'm going to switch to the handheld if that's all right with you guys. It's probably driving me more nuts than it is. Okay, this is much better. Hello, much better. Anyway, I was saying groundhogs, or groundhogs, greyhounds (laughs) are not trained to capture the rabbits. My goodness, I need a second here to refocus. Groundhogs, what are we talking about? Man. <laughs> I love you guys. I love that I can sit up here and like just have a moment and laugh it off with you. Honestly, that is family. That is amazing. I love it. But into the story here, we're going to jump back in. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus. And I want to share the gospel in case there's anyone in the room that hasn't heard the gospel message of Jesus. You know, God sent his son, you know, to save you from eternal suffering. He provides forgiveness and the ways of everlasting life. Jesus came 
God in the flesh on this earth. He was beaten and hung on the cross and he died in our place so that our eternity can be established in heaven. That is the gospel. He took on the sin of this world so that we can have salvation and be free from the consequences of sin. And these are the reasons why we worship God for who he is. Because he sent his son so that we can be saved and why we should set our eyes on him and not the idols that surround us in this world. So what is idol worship? It's something that is taking your gaze off of Jesus and you're intentionally letting it allure you. Something you're holding at a greater or higher value than God. And here are some good ways to know or signs that you might have an idol in your life. A good question to ask would be, where do you turn to when you're in trouble? You know, our hearts and flesh are continually trying to find peace and safety because naturally we are broken people living in a broken world. And going back to Psalm 18 where David is saying, you are my rock and my fortress in whom I find protection. Because we ourselves are broken and we cannot fix ourselves and we need God's protection. So we know if we have an idol when we're maybe finding ourselves saying things like, if I have blank, then I'll be safe. Or if I have X amount of money in my bank account, oh, then I'll be secure and stable. But our strength and our hope should start with worshiping God only, who then provides for our needs and who is there in our troubles. If you're not turning to the Lord in your troubles, you may be turning to something that you value higher than God. And this goes for everyone and will also look different for everyone. And another way you might be able to spot an idol in your life is are you trying everything in your power in order to get what it is you're desiring, even if it means sinning in order to acquire or keep it? Let me be very honest with you for a second. This is probably the one that I've struggled with the most in the past. Um, stubbornness runs very high in my family, <laughs> very high. In fact, when I um, was younger, my mom used to tell me all the time, you know, once you have an idea in your head, watch out. And when I got saved, I, that, that was something that really convicted me. And I had to spend a lot of time working out pride. Because I, I, wanted, um, I wanted to be able to control everything. And I had a really hard time feeling safe and settled with just letting something go. If it compromises holiness, it's an idol. If you're intentionally, intentionally planning to move away from holiness into selfishness, you're going after an idol. I know this is weighty stuff, I know. Another point would be, do emotions get heightened when it comes to the things you want to acquire in the flesh? 
So when it comes to anything that you're desiring, do my emotions get heightened? This is a common, natural response to something that we ourselves are trying to protect or keep. Our emotions are usually attached and heightened when it comes to something we want to hold on to. So when our emotions become heightened, I think of a mama bear, like a bear and their cubs, right? Like she, if anything, you know, tries to get at cubs, mama bear comes and protects and wants to hold on to that. And when our emotions get heightened or attached to the things that we are trying to keep in our lives, good or bad, that can be a sign that we are trying to hang on to what we want rather than allowing the Lord to work in us. Things that cause us higher emotions can sometimes be the comforts that are in our lives that we're putting at a higher value than God, right? And David said in Psalm 18, he is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. So we must trust that God is our shield and we don't need to be putting anything else in front of us that separates us from God. And last would be, Another way that you can spot uh, maybe that there's an idol in your life is if it compromises your biblical convictions, following the ways of Jesus. If there's something that is confronting or challenging you to step away from your biblical convictions, truth of the word and Jesus, it is absolutely an idol. If it doesn't line up with the ways of Jesus, it's likely lining up with the ways of this world. And it wants to take you further away from the truth. And this is why the Bible talks about assembling together as a body. Because we need to be in a community of accountability to strengthen one another when these struggles do come. We can't avoid them, but it's how do I redirect my focus back onto Jesus? David was the prime example of this. In all of his sin, he was very quick to repent and go back to the Lord. I'd like to talk about a second king in the Old Testament named Josiah. I've mentioned him before. We uh, did a series a while back called Crisis and Renewal, and his story paints the picture so well of idol worship. King Josiah, he ascended the throne of Judah at a young age of eight years old. Who has about an eight-year-old or has raised an eight-year-old in the past? Many of you have. Could you imagine at the young age of eight years old that, you know, your son or daughter being a ruler of a nation? Like, imagine, (laughs) just for a second, right? So Josiah's father and many kings before him ignored God's commands and were worshiping false idols. So all over the land, he built idols, statues everywhere where people would come to worship false gods. And God was not being worshipped, and he realized that the idols that were in the place of God were being worshipped instead. So Josiah began to get rid of all the idols and built one temple in the nation where God would be worshipped. So when he was 18, he sent his court secretary to the temple of the Lord and 
at the temple, there was a high priest named Hilkiah, and he was working on collecting money for the restoration of this temple. But in this process, he found scrolls that belonged to the book of the law, which we would know today as the Old Testament. So why was this significant? Because when God's word was found, drastic changes had to be made to bring the kingdom back in line with God's commands. His nation was so corrupt. So when Josiah heard God's words, he tore his clothes in despair. He realized the weight of God's words and that his people were corrupt and not following his commands at all. The Lord was going to bring disaster to the city because of this, but because of Josiah's heart posture, the Lord, separ- the Lord spared sorry, the city from disaster. Josiah understood and felt despair, and he repented to the Lord. He was renewed through God's word. Notice when Josiah realized what the law was leading them to, there was a personal grieving that led to a national repentance. So what are the idols of today? Here are some of the characteristics that an idol can possess. They can draw our attention. They're usually attracted or attractive to us. And they're attainable and accessible to either our thoughts or our emotions and everything we put our hands to. They have empty promises that don't fulfill us and they want to distract us away from the Lord. They don't hold the qualities that the Lord wants you and I to have. Remember, they are trying to separate us from the Father. Idols are also mentioned in Psalm 96.5 where it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. All idols go against or contradict his nature and his character. What is worthless compared to what is full of worth? And here we can see a comparison between what is heaven-made and what is man-made. Our Lord is our maker He made the heavens and the earth, all creation, and idols go against the very thing that God, of God and his nature. Walking in the ways of idols fulfills the flesh and not the ways of the spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I'm going to throw Romans 1.21 up there too. Paul says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Here we see Paul explaining how we should worship God above all things. Paul is teaching the church how some Christians at the time were not valuing God for who he really was, but were making up false ideas about him that he called foolish. As a broken humanity, he was calling out that God was not being honored or praised as the Lord over their lives. So let me just 
reiterate the importance of assembling together. When we gather together as a body of Christ, we can help each other focus our sights back on the Lord and not the temptations of idols. Is this making sense? Good. We can strengthen each other in truth and wisdom and build each other up to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So how do we worship Jesus in a broken world? How do we keep ourselves away from idols and pursue holiness? We first have to root ourselves in the person of Jesus. And in order to give our most true and proper worship, we have to keep focus on the race of endurance of faith, I said it, and fix our eyes on Jesus. By choosing to set our sights on the things above, there's a work that also needs to take place in our hearts in inviting the Holy Spirit to renew us. The answer is by keeping our eyes focused on Jesus every day and continually choosing to yield to his ways. Just like Pastor Andrew mentioned last week how the work of the Holy Spirit will bring us closer to God step by step. The Holy Spirit progresses us closer to God while idol worship removes away from God. When we do have moments where idol, an idol can creep into our lives and we find ourselves taking a step away from the Lord, that's when you have to catch it. Just at that moment, we all fall short to sin to some degree. We all do. And that is going to look different for everyone. But one thing I can assure you is if you know Jesus, you can always choose to reset and refocus your worship to him. You can refocus your time, your money, your mind, your emotions, your actions. You can choose to put your eyes and set your sights back to him. That's good news. So what is the church's response in worshiping Jesus? Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a blanket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let your light shine before everyone you come across so people can see and model what we are doing. As 
people see how you worship, they will see the light in you so that they can also praise God. I taught on praise again just a couple months ago, and I mentioned how praise can be a form of evangelism uh, to those around us and how it can build and stir each other up. And I mentioned before how often when we get to know one another and have a relationship with one another, when we're in each other's lives and in each other's story, it draws us closer together as a community, right? By knowing each other's victories, our hardships, and being able to praise alongside each other, it brings us closer together. And just like a lamp can light up a room, we can carry that light wherever we go so that others can see it. Let's not dim our lights so others can't see it. Let's show how we worship God to others. Jesus is the only source of truth we have. Any other source is a lie and doesn't lead to the Father. Again, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. People will understand who our Father is when we display our life and conduct in complete surrender and obedience to him. If we believe that Jesus is the source of truth, he is the only one that can lead us to the Father. Surrendering our lives and our you know, our obedience in the ways of Jesus shows the world who we have to complete trust if we believe Jesus is the only way to the Father. What does worship look like to us, to the believer? Our worship should contain thankfulness, joy, desire for holiness, walking out obedience, repenting when convicted, Worship in itself isn't just a, a music genre, it's a committed life. This is where we need to show grace when grace is needed. This is where we need to forgive um, for those who may have wronged us. Maybe, we, maybe you struggle with anger. They're the simple little obediences to choosing to following Jesus every single day of our lives. True worship is being obedient to the Lord. It's gladly giving our whole lives to him freely. Worship is not, like I mentioned, instruments and music, but it's how we live our lives in obedience to the ways of Jesus. So I'm going to put, I'm going to do something we haven't done in a little bit. I'm going to put Psalm 18 up on the screen. Can we read that together? Is that okay with you guys? I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The last part of that psalm, David is giving a command to call upon the Lord. So when we call out to him, we're calling out because he is our salvation. 
He is our healer. He is our deliverer. And he is a good father. Those right there are the promises that we receive from calling out to him and why we should give him all of our praise and all of our worship. Maybe instead of asking why do we call out, a harder question sometimes to ask ourselves is why don't we? And maybe you're listening to this message and you don't you know, have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you feel as though you can't come to the Lord with your problems and your circumstances and your situations. And let me tell you, God is more confident in your distress than you are. <laughs> That's a good reassurance to hear. He knows you're broken. He knows you're going to make mistakes and God wants us to refocus and set our eyes on him. This is why God told Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. We need the Lord's help and that is strength. That is strength to say, I need help, Lord. That's not a weakness. So if we're going to be avoiding the idols in our lives that try to get our attention, that try to distract us away from God's promises and leave us nothing but empty in response, we give God all of our worship, all of our praise, all of our obedience. So I want to leave space this morning for two types of responses. And one is if there's anyone here who's not heard the gospel message before and would like to give their lives to Jesus, I just ask if we could bow our heads, maybe close our eyes. If that's you this morning, if there's someone here that would like to give their life to Jesus or recommit their life to Jesus, you can just lift your hand up and we would love to pray for you. Yeah. And second, if you're struggling with an idol in your life and you'd like to refocus your attention and obedience back to Jesus, maybe as I've been sharing this message, you can think of that one thing and it's just staring at you right in the face. I'd love to pray for you. If that's anyone in the room, we cry, would you just say, hey Lord, I'm giving this to you. We're crying out to you this morning. If that's you, would you also raise your hand? The good news is we have a father who will always answer when we call. If you've lost joy and you don't know how to give God praise and worship, I'm gonna pray over the room in general. Would you come up for prayer? Just like I was speaking earlier, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we get to do this in community. Again, you don't have to share what you don't wanna share, but just having someone a part of the church body, church family, just praying over you. That's a beautiful thing. So God, this morning, God, I pray for everyone in the room. God, I pray for those uh, who are struggling with an idol maybe in their life that they are considering higher than you and they're putting maybe that thing intentionally or not intentionally in front of you and your ways. 
God, I pray that there would be freedom. God, I pray that you would highlight those areas in people's hearts, God. And God, I pray that there would be a yielding to the work that you're doing in them. So Father, right now, God, I pray for um, even the person who, who might not even, you know, who might be a little nervous or afraid to, to be able to confess things to someone or just to ask for prayer or just, you know, who, who maybe feels a little bit um, like hidden and tucked away. God, I just pray for, for whoever that is in the room right now, God, that you would just give them strength. God, that you would give us confidence. And God, we just thank you because you are a good father. God, you are a good father. You answer when we call. God, your promises are so good. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you we can put our trust and our hope in you. You're a good, good father. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.